Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Bald Face Truth. All the football games in a 12 game regular season count the same in the win loss column. They're all pivotal, they're all big. So why do I feel like this weekend's game for Oregon State has got a little extra oomph in it? I'm going to Boulder. I want to see this game in person. Jonathan Smith, Oregon State football coach, is joining us to talk about it. How you feeling? Yeah, I'm doing solid, man. You know, in the routine of another week. And, and you're right, big one uh, on the road again in, in Boulder. And see how cold it gets. It looks somewhat decent, actually, for having to kick off at 8 o'clock at night. Um, the things going to be dry, a little chilly, but not bad. You and I both know I don't want you to kick off at 8. You probably ideally don't want to kick off at 8, but you can't help that. And so when you find that out, do you have to kind of spin it positive no matter what in your own head? Like, you know, otherwise you're defeated before you even start kind of thing? Right. I try to have a mindset. We play at night. I mean, this this is what's happened the last few years. I mean, this is the league we're in. We play at night, and that's the opportunity uh we get um and let's let's face it there's some buzz about a nighttime stadium i used to love that in high school right it was the yes. night game and all that kind of thing so uh yeah we just have a mindset those are the this is what we did we play at night and this is another opportunity yeah that's right you're right remember like uh we used to go out on like a thursday night we do a walkthrough and then we play on a friday night it was a blast like you're you know you were never under the lights but there was a little magic a little ec- little uh, electricity to it uh what do you see on film when you look at colorado uh, yeah, some athleticism now. I mean, it starts with that quarterback. He is good. Uh, competitive, accurate. Um, he's smart with the ball. Decision-making can create, but he is looking to throw it. And they got some big-time athletes he's throwing it to. They put you out in space offensively, but go fast. So you got to be able to get a call, get lined up, and got to tackle well in space because they got some guys making guys kind of miss. I think defensively, this I think this is one of the better tackling teams that we're playing. I mean, these guys are violent, go low. Uh, getting guys on the ground, uh, so it's a couple new wrinkles so schematically, defensively. So um, they've got some stuff going. This is a competitive group in general. And yeah, their record. I think they've lost four of the last five, but they've been in every game down to the wire except one. Um, so it's going to be a real challenge. All right. Yeah. When you say that, you know, I I often look at your team or I'll look at another team and I'll say, hey, they're different than they were early in the year. How has Colorado evolved in your mind? How have they changed? Are they trying to run the ball more? What are they doing on offense? You know, I think you've run into some good opponents that make you one-dimensional at times. Um, You know, just going off last week, I mean, UCLA is really good at D-line. Rushing the pass or stopping the run, it makes it hard. Um, And so you're going to get one-dimensional, and sometimes the score dictate some things. Um, I, I see a team, Colorado, from start to finish that have competed really, really at a high level, won some games early, um, and have been toe-to-toe with really everyone they've played except except one game. So it's a it's a good group that continues to, to battle week in and week out. 123 other plays, but i got to ask you about the decision right before half. You've already kind of digested it, I'm sure. And uh, as you go back, um, the decision to try the fake – on right before the half, um, at what point did you know it was a mistake? Oh, when the guy gets tackled at the five-yard line. Um, 
I knew that at that moment. And again, I, I, there's always a risk, right? There's a good chance yeah. he's not going to score, and you're going to have to deal with that. I think a little bit about you know the game's tied. Um, this is the truth too. Pre-game, you know, you're sitting in the locker room waiting to take the field. I'm sitting there watching Colorado UCLA on my phone. UCLA into the half mm-hmm. settles kind of for like a chip shot field goal at the end of the half. The thing goes off the upright. They got nothing, and so some of that was in my head. I was chomping at the bit to call that because I thought the picture and obviously executed. We got a nice gain, but you, you got to be able to pump your brakes when you're asking a kicker to really run from the 20-yard line. He's eight yards behind the ball already. And you're asking our kicker to make a, a run like that. I mean, just bad, bad call. I like the aggression. I but you signaled it. You kind of telegraphed it on the on the kick before, right? Like I saw that on TV. I was like, oh, they were going to fake that, which I liked that one. I liked that one, by the way. <laughs> yep, yep. I was down on myself, on the, not just the decision to go with the kick. There was a couple opportunities to call timeouts at the toward the end of the second quarter. That being one, we had the fake called. We were the play clock's running down. I saw it. Decided to say, you know what, we'll just back it up and take the points. Well, why are you holding on to timeouts in the first half? Like, like yeah. taking timeouts in the halftime do you no good. And so that, an opportunity to call a timeout there and run, execute the fake in the ideal setup. We wanted to run it on fourth and, you know, two to five. So that was a miss. And then uh, later, the kind of like in the half drive, Velling catches the ball down to, I think it was about the 15-yard line. There's about 23 seconds. We decided to go back on the ball. And, you know, there's some thought to back on the ball for keeping the pressure on the defense. But we had two yeah. timeouts at that moment to regroup and get multiple shots at the end zone. The way the way it played out, we only really got one. Here's the only way it's really a loss is if you don't learn from it, right? I mean, you, you think in the next time you're in that situation, that's got to be in your head. What kind of communication are you getting in that moment? Is, is someone talking with you, or is that kind of a decision you have to figure out yourself as the head coach? Are you talking about the fake field goal? The, f- the fake field or, goal in particular, or, or even a timeout. Like, is somebody going, hey, coach, maybe a timeout here, or or, or do you like to be, kind of be left alone with that? No, yeah, it's a group. So on the offensive side, we're all offensively on the headset, and really Lingren's waiting for me to say, hey, back on the ball or timeout. Um, I think in Lingren's head he was thinking timeout, um, but I said, you know, get back on it, and he calls it go fast play. So there's, there's not a lot of time to make – huge conversations yeah. there's time on the fake field goal um but of course i sat there with half the group of the offensive or the field goal unit and they were all about it and talking listen to the players sometimes bite you there you go uh, yeah it's true great idea great idea here let's do it uh, you know what well, you we, did do it, it. we did it last year down in fresno though we did it last yeah. year in fresno sat there and coletto wants to change the play to a different one listen to him and it worked out all right i know i know you know yeah you know what you do the first time you go to for a field goal against colorado you run a fake nobody would see it coming <laughs> nobody nobody's expecting it <laughs> just no like damn would. it damn it we got the, it's there you know, like we know it's there. Jonathan Smith is with us, Oregon State football coach. Um, look, uh, you guys, you know, the rankings come out, and I thought this was a testament to what you guys have done. You're at 16. Nobody's surprised by it. You're there. You're right in everybody's face. You continue to win. You're only going to move up. And I, the way I see this thing, because you're playing some of those ranked teams coming down the stretch, I, think, I still think you got a, a puncher's chance if you win out to maybe get to Vegas. I mean, it's still out there for you guys. 
Yeah, there's still opportunity. Obviously, the setback last weekend kind of hinders some of that, but we want to set the stage to play bigger games. We've got to take care of business and, and do it on the road, which we've, you know, both our losses on the road. We've got to, we've got to find a way to do that. Um, and again, each week, you never know how this league's going to turn out. I know these teams have this many amount of losses type thing. Week right. in and week out, you never know. Um, and that's why you got to play the game and play well on Saturdays. Yeah, you got two losses in conference play, but you know, as I map it out, you you know, if you won out, Oregon would have at least two losses. All Washington has to do is lose to a USC or um, you know a Utah a game they could lose, or you guys, you know, obviously you'd put a loss on them. And so uh, all of a sudden, I go, this is uh, this is kind of interesting coming down the stretch. I think it's a great conference. The fact that you guys have so many ranked teams, uh, the Pacific Northwest has three of the top sixteen. That's that's incredible, um, you know. But I know you you got to focus uh, on what you guys are doing. Uh, how are how are you guys health wise coming out of Arizona? Yeah, uh, we got a, a few guys, nicks and, and bruises. Jake Levengood's going to be a late late game time decision. Our starting center, he he went out early against Arizona. I think he's doubtful right now. Um, still hopeful on the a couple DBs in Ryan Cooper. We're kind of see what it looks like tomorrow. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, and you and anyone else, but those two are, are big pieces. We, and that's the update on those two. I I like what Aiden Childs does. I like that you guys have kind of brought him along. What would it take to get him a little more more than one series? Are you guys molding yeah. that? Uh, we did actually. I had molded a little bit, and I was, I was talking to Lingard one, whatever it was, middle of the week. You know, he, the previous games had gone in. He had great field position. He ends up only running four or five plays yeah. and so if that were to take place again do we you know throw him back out there um you know the way it played out he got a, a field position where he's able to operate some plays through that ball 60 yards in the I air know. on third down i know um which was awesome um but at the same time i'm telling you where dj is at we really like where dj is at i mean this guy's throwing it confidently getting us the right plays um you know we we had opportunities on a couple of plays in the past game last week we didn't get not all on dj but it could help us a little bit so i do feel that we got two guys that we can go out there and score points with do they create a problem for the defense are they are they different enough to create a problem uh, you know what that'd be interesting to talk to a defensive guy i think uh you know aiden's probably got a little bit more top end speed when he pulls the ball or runs with yeah. it uh, but we're not we're not really calling a different offense when when aiden's in versus dj no, yeah. When he pulled that one ball and he went around the corner, he's just fast. I mean, he's just the, you could see the defense going, "Oh crap!" Like he's going to get to the oh, corner. Yeah. You know, that would have been a huge hit if those guys yeah. would have blocked better for him out there on the edge. I know. Yeah, got to get that done. All right, I will be in Boulder. I'm excited to see you guys play. I know it's a late game, but I, I think it's you know those late games have always been fun. Uh, on the road, any explanation to what you th- see happening on the road, or is it just hard to win on the road in the Pac-12? Yeah, I think it, you know, it starts with that. It's hard. I think you, I don't know this for certain, but if you looked at all the records, home versus away, I bet the away records aren't as good. Um, you know, just for us, we're going to be able to finish games and play for 60 minutes. And, you know, I think we've handled the crowd pretty well. I was pleased last week. You know, we didn't have issues procedurally, offensively, and all of that. But, it, you know, the home team's got some energy to it. The crowd's into it. You got home teams play well oftentimes, and we got to – we got to play better and, and finish the game. Are you having fun? Has this season been fun to you, or is it always kind of just stressful? In you know, you know, it, it, do you, I, I guess I'm getting at like we've heard some coaches. Dabo Sweeney says, you know, 
the appreciation is uh, not as uh, not the same. You know, coaches will say the, the the losses are harder than the wins are joyful. You know, do you relate to that? Yeah, oh yeah. There's something because it's the gravity of losses. You put so much into this. It's just more than stings. I mean, it hurts, and so. Uh, that's not easy, but also you got to be able to re- respond and get back to work. I have had some fun this year, enjoying watching, you know, just this team kind of grow and battle and compete and learn and make a mistake, make some plays. Uh, that's how really every season goes, and so I intentionally tried to to enjoy that, watching kind of coaches prepare and strategies that work, strategies that don't, and you know, look back on the thought process. And so, yeah, I mean, that's why I love coaching strategy and relationships and competition home teams are 37 and 18 in this year in the pac-12 but if you eliminate arizona state and stanford they're 35 and 9 so if you take yeah. out the two bottom teams the home teams are winning you know regardless so yeah, you got yeah. you got your colorado's two and two at home so put them in a two and three situation that's what i say yeah, and again, one of their losses, I mean, they're up 21, 29, nothing at half, and the Stanford turns around on them. That's why you got to finish games, and yeah, it's, it'll be good. I always say you got to watch a team, too, after a loss, and you kind of see how they react after a loss. It tells you about their culture. I'm not, I'm not that worried about you guys, but did you see it in practice this week, or guys got their pep in their step? Yeah, the guys are guys are working. Uh, I'm not concerned with some type of lingering effects of a loss. They're back to work. They're excited about playing this game. They know still a lot of good things in front of us if we can handle the environment and win a couple more games, setting the stage for things. So, no, these guys are locked in and excited. I'm giving you all kinds of stats. You're 1-0 this year after a loss. You were 2-1 and last year coming out of a loss. So here you go. Okay. Opportunity. Yeah. All right? No doubt. Get out. Get out. No doubt. All right. Thanks for joining okay. us. Appreciate you. Yeah. Appreciate you, John. All right. Take care. There's Jonathan Smith, Oregon State coach. Love that. That was more of a conversation than an interview. I'm glad that everybody got to listen to that. Stephen, takeaways from that conversation with Jonathan Smith. I, I was talking to Jude about this. I found it interesting the when you questioned him about you know the fake field goal and things of that nature. He he's usually so confident in all of his answers. It wasn't that he was disingenuous, John. I just thought he kind of came across. It just was a weird situation. He kind of pulled the old, ah, oh, shucks, it didn't work. Like, it was weird. You know, it's a bad call, but, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. It just, I don't know. It just didn't seem like a Jonathan Smith answer, but I don't know what I was expecting, right? Like, I don't, yeah. I don't want him to be like, no, that was a great call because that's a, that would be a terrible situation. So I, that that was my biggest takeaway. I was like, I'm still trying to process what what he was saying in that situation, but um, no, it, you know it's good. I think that he owned it and he said it was the bad call. It's all on him. I think he also made a good point of uh, you know being on home and road. The situation we we've talked about that you know when we pick the games against the spread, those home teams, especially home favorites, they win all the lot of games. And so I think going into this Colorado game, you know I expect a big win, but at the same time. Oregon, Oregon State's got to be ready. Like this Colorado team, they're four and four. They need, they're fighting for that bowl game. Like six and six wins is in their in their grasp. So Oregon State's got to come out and play hard on uh, Saturday. It's interesting because we get him on Wednesday. I wonder if the answer would be different on Sunday. You know, because he's had so much time to. He's been asked about it in the post game on Saturday night. He's been asked about it on Sunday. He's talking with the staff about it and his team about it on Sunday. 
She's talking about it on Monday. He's kind of leaving it behind on Tuesday. And then here I come on Wednesday, bringing it back up, bringing up old stuff again. And he's got to deal with it again. I, I just kind of wonder if his answer would be different. I just I was struck by the fact that he said he was watching the UCLA game while, you know, during warm-ups, his team's starting to do warm-ups. He's on his phone. He's kind of looking at UCLA Colorado because he's got Colorado in the next week. He sees UCLA right before the half miss a chip shot field goal and he says that's in his head and then and then he said a little bit later after that he got on himself a little bit after the game because he was like I took my timeouts to the locker room at halftime why am I not calling a timeout there I hadn't really thought about that so I I think it's good that he's trying to assess his own performance I think a lot of times, if you're in denial, you're not going to learn from something. You're you're just going to defiantly say the play was there. It just was asking too much of a kicker to run 20 yards against a Pac-12 defense and, and score a touchdown. And it's gone what, what, what we said today about we talked about coaches and you know getting stuck in their ways. He even said you know he was chomping at the bit because they had practiced this. Like he wanted to run it, and he was looking for a situation to do it, and so it just got in his head like I'm running this no matter what. And it was obviously the wrong situation right before the half, and that was just because you know they got the delay game before. So it was, it's one of those things where you hope you know we, we think Jonathan Smith may be the best coach in the conference, but you're always looking to get better. And it is nice to hear like he actually is evaluating himself and looking to get better as he uh, you know continues his career. Yeah, I think you know it's interesting. I asked him about Aiden Childs and DJ Uyengalele, and I don't know what you heard there. It was kind of a non-answer from Jonathan on, you know, what, what would it take to get Childs more? But he said, I've been thinking about it. And then he said, we've been talking about it. I actually got the impression, maybe this is just me trying to read his poker hand, I got the impression that he wants to play Childs a little more. But there's probably a little hesitation in that you don't want to destroy DJ's confidence, but I think you got to get Aiden on the field more. I just think they're be- they're more dynamic. Yeah, he's- I think he's going to throw some picks. I think he's going to make some mistakes. He's young. But I think they're a little more dynamic on offense with-, with Childs in there. I heard that too, and I took away as that he loves himself some Aiden Childs. And I don't know, I don't know that he know that- thinks that he's better than DJ right now, but he definitely wants to get him on the field more than I think maybe Brian Lindgren does, um, where he's just a little more comfortable. You know, I haven't put DJ out there with all the experience, but I, I, I think Jonathan Smith looks at Aiden Childs and says, like, that's a dude right there. That's a guy who can win, you know, offensive player of the year or even, you know, bigger than that. So, yeah, I, I heard that, and it was very interesting that he quickly changed his answer from right. I to we. Right. And I and here here's the thing with DJ. Like, I like DJ's game, but he doesn't quite have the finesse in the short game. And there's something going on when DJ's on the field in the middle of the play where he's he's not feeling the game. He's waiting. He's a half a second late delivering the ball. He's a half a second late deciding to run. If you know nothing's there, I'm going to tuck it and run. He's just a half a click late. And I'm, I'm watching this Arizona game on TV because I'm in Salt Lake City. I've watched Oregon play already. And I'm watching this Oregon State-Arizona game, and – in the second half, DJ's in the pocket. The protection's breaking around. It's evident he has nowhere to go with the ball. And I'm going, run. I'm saying that out loud in my hotel room. Run. And there's about a half a second delay, and then DJ starts to run, and a defensive lineman reaches out and pulls him down for you no know, gain on the play. Like, And if he takes off, 
maybe he's getting five or seven yards. You know, maybe he's getting – and I think Aiden Childs back there gives you that added threat that he could run for a touchdown at any time the, the, the play isn't there. I think Aiden is going to make mistakes. I think you're going to get some interceptions that you're going to go, ooh, that's a young guy. But I think you're getting to the point at Oregon State where you got to think about playing him more. I'm not saying he has to start, but I think he needs more than a series. I think he needs to have two series, give him a third series. And I'd have to look back, but I'm almost sure. I think he scores on like 80% of the drives that he engineers. He scored a touchdown. And so I I think it's going to become increasingly difficult. And if you're going to make a change, you don't make the change against Washington. You don't make the change against Oregon. If you're going to make the change at quarterback or you're going to play him more, you do it against Colorado, you do it against Stanford, you do it in the next two weeks, and you get him ready and you see what's there. You can always back off it and let DJ play the whole game against Washington or Oregon if it's not there. But I want to see a little more Aiden Childs in these next two games. Leave it here. Get the BFT. I saw a video today of a guy in a clown suit with a um, with a chainsaw, fake chainsaw, on Halloween, just scaring the bejesus out of a kid who was in a in a in a wagon being pulled by his mom. Uh, how, like, what's the proper amount or the normal amount or the acceptable amount of terror that you can impart on a child on Halloween, Stephen? I, I don't know. I not cool and it's not cool especially if it's a kid in a wagon like that means they're probably really young you yes. know, I, I think about my four-year-old like he's usually pretty not scared of a lot of things but he gets scared on halloween i think he, he frightens him a little bit and it's like i couldn't imagine going up to him and scaring him on purpose like they're just i don't know i feel like you're kind of a weirdo when you're doing that i'm gonna send you this video i'm gonna have you just watch it and live react in real time <laughs> just watch i just texted it to you okay Take a look at it, and, uh, you know, it's a clown. A guy in a clown suit. Poor kid is like, kid's got to be two, three years old at the most, and is scared of this clown-looking guy no, ma- <laughs> no matter what. It's not funny. I shouldn't be laughing at it. My, my kids had one house that they were afraid to uh, go up to the doorstep on it was just a little too scary. Yeah, see, I'm not, I'm not a fan of what this video represents here, John. No, no, I mean, I mean, the clown got right in the little kid's face too. No, no. kid had nowhere to go. Kid couldn't get, couldn't escape. Clown's <laughs> running up to the wagon, scaring the heck out of yeah, him. Yeah, the wagon made it even worse. Because I'll right. tell you how bad it is. I'll tell you, you shouldn't be scaring kids. I'll tell you how bad it is. I was six or seven. Okay. And something happened to me, trick-or-treating, that um, scared me so bad that when I was trick-or-treating last night, I was looking out for it. Okay? Let's, all these years later, decades and decades and decades later, okay? I'm six years old, and I'm trick-or-treating with Jeff Garcia, quarterback who goes on to play for the 49ers and the Eagles. And Jeff and I were a year apart. So he must have been seven, and we were doing what kids who are six and seven do. We were running ahead, okay? We were running ahead of our parents and our other siblings. And Jeff had two or three younger siblings. I had two younger siblings. Jeff and I would run ahead to the next house. Our parents were saying, wait up for us. Don't go ahead. We were like a house or two ahead of everybody. And we go running up to this one house, and it had kind of a entryway that was covered 
and extended a little bit away from the front door of the house. And I'll never forget what happened. We went running up to the house, and the minute we knocked on the door, a giant sheet dropped on all sides of us from the rooftop. And the lights flashed on and off, and horrific music played that was screaming. And I went running through the sheets and fell into the bushes. Jeff went running through the sheets and fell into the bushes. And the people on the la- on the roof were laughing about how they got this six- and seven-year-old and scared the hell out of him. I'm now grown up. Decades later, I'm an adult. I've got a six- or seven-year-old and a nine-year-old with me trick-or-treating. And I am going door-to-door. And what am I doing? I'm looking up at the roof on every house. I'm checking the roof to make sh- make sure no one's up there. It's it's it scarred me. I may need therapy for this. Can you ever remember being that scared? No, not that scared. Not that I can think of off the top of my head. No, like I just I've I've. It's kind of like the whole ocean thing with me, John. Like I'm not gonna put myself in that situation. I'm I'm a scary cat at heart. So like I'm always anytime I've watched a scary movie when I was younger, I always was like telling myself this isn't real. This isn't real. I can't believe this is real. Like this it's fake. It's fake because if I thought it was real, I would get in my head and have nightmares. So I just I can't put myself in those situations. I uh, put myself in one of those situations. So I always think about this because we we put out decorations. We did a uh, Anna put it on her Instagram if you want to see it. But we we did a uh, the girls and I put together this skeleton that we saw on TikTok that somebody had Jimmy rigged. They uh, they made it look like a skeleton uh, was in a biohazard situation and the skeleton was vomiting. Um, toxic waste into a into a giant bin and so what we did is we got a trash can we made it look like green slime was coming out of the trash can we ran a pump from inside the trash can up through the skeleton and ran it out of its mouth so it was just running all the time to me that's not scary that's kind of amusing and we put uh tracing dye into the trash can so it was uh the 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 vomit looked like it was uh fluorescent green and Pete, little kids were walking up and looking at it and going, "Oh, that's cool." I don't want to scare some kid. I don't want. I don't want to traumatize some kid in a wagon. That's not making it for me on Halloween. I'll tell you what's making it for me: ending up with a butterfinger at the end of the night, left over in the bowl. Well, I think there's that, there's different Halloweens, right? Like I think for you know teenagers and you know young adults, it's all about just Instagram pictures, and then I think for adults, it's about. Like, uh, you know, taking pictures of their kids and, like you said, getting the Butterfinger for yourself, stealing them from your kids. But then for, like, little kids, it's about candy. For that middle age, it's like they want to be scared. There's, like, four different Halloweens, but we all have to combine them into one. We need to figure out what we're doing. We do need to figure that out. And then I also noticed that you get the um, teenagers. What age is it too old to trick or treat? Because I I have a philosophy. If you're going to put on a costume, I'm going to give you a candy bar. But how old is too old to show up at, at your doorstep? Um, I would say at the oldest, if you're a teenager, I don't want to see you. <laughs> what if they're polite? No. Well, it depends on what, what time. Happened. Here's my yeah. beef. Is, yeah, when do you cut it off? Well, okay, so we still had our lights on and the kids were in bed. It was 945. I hear a, a, a ding dong at the doorbell. Too late. Way too late. I even told we're them, closed. I said, hey, go away. I gave them just like one piece of candy and they were really loud. I said, get out of here. But I don't want to start. You know, I don't want to get yeah. angry or anything. But I yeah, because be they nice. know where you live. They yeah, you so live. Yeah. it's one of those things. I gave them candy, but I'm also like, hey, we got kids, man. Don't wake them up. What, what, did you turn your lights off? I did right after that. Yeah. 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 Well, if your lights are on, that's on you. Well, it's nine forty-five, John. At, 
They're not keeping time. They're just looking for who's still up at that hour. You know, you're oh, looking you, for an open open bar. They need to know. They need to know at that age. Nine forty five. It's way too late. Our last trick or treater came at about eight thirty, and that was it. That seems and, like but, the cutoff. Eight thirty seems like a perfect time. Yeah, Nine, I guess I, maybe. I went lights out. Uh, after that, like not, I waited about ten minutes more, and then I ate a Butterfinger second one, and then I, and then I went lights it lights out. I'm cutting it off. The rest are for me, and so I was done. But I also know that there was when we were out. So we left. We left Anna's dad, seventy seven year old Taiwanese man who had never experienced a Halloween before. We left him at the house, and we said people are going to knock on the door. They're going to they're going to say trick or treat. You're to give them one candy bar. Now that's some like, rules, man. That... He was like, he was like, what? <laughs> you know, like, what's gonna happen? And we were like, this is called Halloween. They don't do it in Taiwan. That people are gonna knock on the door, give them a candy bar. So I can see the camera in the house, and so I'm kind of watching them as we leave the house. Here comes a group of trick or treaters. They come up to the steps. Ding dong. He opens the door, and I watch eight kids go into our house. <laughs> So I was like, he just let everybody into the house. He doesn't know he's just supposed to give them a candy bar. And so we had to be like, hey, they're not supposed to come into the house. Just give them a candy bar and send them on their way. One candy bar. We interrupt this podcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.